Ready. Ready to go. Kick it off, Pete. All right. What is up, everybody? We are back. It's 2020. Uh, new studio, new year. Um, we are really excited, amped up. Alan's got his quad shot in his system. Ready. Uh, we've dusted <laughs> off the cobwebs, had a few talks before this, but um, we are excited to have our good friend, Frankie V, on the show. Thanks for making time for us. Always for you, Mr. Lemke. Always for you. Uh, all right. Well, it, it hasn't been easy, and uh, we've definitely, me and Frankie talk quite a bit, and coordinating schedules always is an issue. But with this guy, it's a whole nother set of issues because I think in the 30 seconds he just downloaded on what he's up to right now before the podcast, um, we were all exhausted. And I, weren't, I know we're going to get to that, but we want to hear your story. We want to jump right into, into the weeds. I fortunately share many dinner dates with the guy. We know each other well outside, so I, I've kind of got a head start on this. But um, you're an East Coast guy. Yep. Right now, you are you are truly like right at the at the pinnacle on the top of the radio world. I just watched you headline a stand up comedy show last week. We just got downloaded on everything you're up to in the radio entertainment scene, which is a lot. But I mean, let's let's do what we do here and and, and go back to the day one. You know, the yeah. the first knock on the door, the first interest, um, going back to to Boston and the East Coast, and and uh, really, I guess, set the stage for us here. Sure. I, uh, I grew up in a town called Framingham. It's uh, 15 miles west of Boston. And the dude that grew up in my neighborhood, he's probably 10, 12 years older than me. This guy, um, Steve Burton, is the sports director for the TV station in, in Boston, the big one. And I would see him on TV. I'm like, they're doing to my elementary school, my middle school, my high school. He grew up, you know, right down the street. That looks like a fun job. And that was probably like sophomore year of high school because I played high school football and there's no chance of me going anywhere. I did go on to play division three college football, but there's no like chance of going pro. And I'm like, but I love sports. Mm. I don't really want to have a real job for a living. Like it just seemed like my friends that were a little bit older that had office jobs and that just sucked. So I'd see Steve doing his thing and I'm like, I can do that. Like I know sports, I can do that. So I, I tried, tried my best to get into that gig. And I got into college, went to school at uh, Hamilton college in central New York Played football there, did the frat life. And when I wasn't doing one of those two, I was in a studio. And I got denied a sports show my freshman year. And I was kind of pissed off. I'm like, you know what? Screw this. I'm done. I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, hold on for a second. Like, that's only your first no. You can get a million no's in this industry before you, mm-hmm. you make it. Um, finally got on doing, like, sports updates for, the, like, the campus radio station, which sucked in a way because I had to get in there at, like, 5 in the morning. You know what I'm saying? So you're in a frat, you party, then you got to get in there at five in the morning. It's terrible. For 30 seconds of airtime. Yep. Going there, hey, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then you leave. And it's like, well, that just sucked. But it was my foot in the door. Did that, ended up working my way into my own show. My first show I did was uh, the guy show, we called it. It was kind of like a Howard Stern type of bring sorority girls on and just be stupid. And it was so much fun. <laughs> and it's like, I love it. Just winging it. Just winging it 100%. Winging it. Like, you know, because we would have Thursday night frat <laughs> parties. We'd honestly be hammered in my show. I think it was like at 1130 on a Thursday night. So we do like the 10 to 1130, hustle over to the studio. And it was just a mess, but it was so much fun. And that's where I was like, I, I could do this. I could. And I remember I got my first hip hop show uh, on the college campus. And I still remember um, there's a campus pub. We went down to it and we went to get a drink. And some random dude was like, yo, drink some of me. Your show is hysterical tonight. Great job. No idea who he was. And that was like my first taste of wow, people actually listen. And I'm actually not bad. Um, graduated college and I sent my tape out, my college demo tapes to over a hundred radio stations. I literally would Google radio stations in random cities and I heard back from two, I got two rejection letters, 98 stations didn't even bother to Damn. hit me back. So I got frustrated, but 
I would take each of those no's as a, all right, let me, let me prove somebody wrong. I ended up taking a job in Boston doing advertising sales. So when you listen to terrestrial radio, you hear the commercials. And I was the one that was selling for a sports radio station in Boston, which is pretty dope. I'm 21 years old, selling Patriots radio and Boston Red Sox radio and mm. access to all these, you know, games and clients. And it was fun. I did pretty well, but I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. So I would sneak into this uh, half-ass studio pretty much that nobody was manning. And I would figure it out in like the late nights on how to put a tape in there to record, put a CD in there to hit play. And like I started talking over records and making fake demo tapes. Completely could have been fired for doing any of that, but I'm like, you know what? <laughs> it's my one shot. Like, I have a radio studio here. So I would do it, and I remember I was at the uh, the cafe. At, um, I was inside a big New Balance building. The company at the time owned a bunch of radio stations. There was a voiceover guy that would do the commercials, and I knew that he used to be on the radio as a personality. So one day in the cafeteria, like, Chuck, come over here. He didn't know who I was. I'm a 21-year-old punk with earrings and sideburns and dressing supposed to do sales but i got just i'm dressed like i am now and they're like what's going on with this kid i'm like can you teach me how to be on the radio and he looked at me like bro not at all like no like <laughs> because it was you or just because he didn't because want it's it. like you know it, it, everybody asks for that like hey, i yeah, want to yeah, be on yeah. the radio I, I could do that and i think he just looked at me as this like punk i'm like no nah, i promise you i'm working on demo taste like let me drop it on your desk he's like if you can drop it on my desk tomorrow i'll, I'll listen to it sure enough he listened to it and he, he took a liking to it and to me um so about six months of sneaking into that fake studio sneaking into his studio during the day to get like um advice and it got to the point that i had a tape that uh, listening back pretty much sucked but at the time was good enough to say i can actually send this to a small market radio station i would send it to a station in new bedford massachusetts called uh, fun 107 and it was crazy because they denied me six times six tapes it was one after the other just nope nope stick to sales you're not good enough you're not good enough and i was just like i started to get frustrated and people were saying frankie you're never going to make money in this business um radio is never going to get you to where you want to be you're only going to be stuck in small markets just give up the dream now like don't even bother you're doing well at sales how old were you were you then 21 22 was that was there not to cut you off but was there a part like when you were a kid because when you want to when you have that party that wants to get into this were you like that kid who was in like talent shows or like not really that's a funny thing because because i feel like and and maybe you don't you do you have that like those bones in your body that some people don't did you do that as a kid? Nah, like, that's the funniest thing. I think what I had was a football mentality, right? Because, you know, mm. I was 5'11", slow, not the greatest, but I'm like, you know what? I know I can catch a football if it's thrown my way and I can take a hit. I'm a tough kid. And I found my way into the football field and I found my way into college football and I found my way on the field in college. And I let, so it was like, I was always kind of, I, I wouldn't say the Rudy, but I always had that mentality. It was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, tell me I can't do something. I'm going to do it. So I'm calling you from now on. So now nah, I wasn't. I was actually shy. I was a mama's boy. It was kind of funny when I, I remember doing college radio. One of my boys was like, bro, your personality is average. You know what I'm saying? You, you're kind of shy at times. You're not like the dude that's jumping in front of every chick that comes by. Like, why, why do you want to do this? And it was like, it was those moments that I was like, you know, F you, I'm going to do this. Sure. And when I got denied six times from that radio station, on the 7th, I said to the program director, I'm like, bro, I don't want any money. I want nothing. I have a car. It has heat. It has air conditioning. I will park in the front of your radio station and do any hours you want to. Just put me on the damn radio. He's like, I can't put you on, but I've never had somebody in my 40 years of radio be as persistent as you. Brought me up for an interview. Ended up putting me on like Sunday late nights. I think like 8 to midnight on a Sunday, but I was still doing sales. And I didn't want to tell my sales boss that I got hired there. So I was literally doing my sales bo- job during the day. And then on weekends, I would drive up there. Selling the, the Patriots and yeah, Red Sox. Selling yeah, yeah. the advertising. And then um, it was funny. I started getting asked to fill in on the night show, but I still do my, my advertising job. And I would do my advertising job during the day. And I'd say to my boss, Yo, I got to meet with a client in New Bedford, Mass. It's a couple of hour ride. I'm not going to be back to the office, but I'm going to close this deal. 
I would get in the car, get on my my suit, throw on the hoodie and the you know sweatpants, and I would drive <laughs> into a show. Then I'd drive back. I'd call my boss and wait. Meeting went great. <laughs> had no idea that he had a place in Cape Cod, which is kind of in the same listenership area. So he'd be driving sometimes to his place two hours and halfway. <laughs> the first thing I was asked, weren't people listening to the show? And, and he was he was hearing me, and he kept his mouth shut. And I still remember, man. I went to his office. It was right before the Christmas party of uh, I think it was two thousand two. And I said, Jim, I got to talk to you real quick. Um, he was a, he's a graduate of Hamilton as well. He's actually the um, uh, SVP of the Chargers now, which is kind of a cool small world. And he, um, he's like, I already know what you're going to tell me. Like, what's that? He goes, you don't want to do this anymore. You want to be on the air. I'm like, how'd you know? He's like, Frankie, let me tell you. I've been listening to you <laughs> for the I'm past a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> so he ended up, you know, it was really cool of him. He ended up putting me in uh, promotions. Mm-hmm. And I would do like set up tents and all that. And my boss at the time, another small world is, was Wayne Partello, who's now working with the Padres here in San Diego, mm-hmm. CMO. So I started working street team stuff with him. I started substitute teaching during the day at my old high school to make some money to get by. Moved back with my parents. I was 23 living at home. But I'm like, you know what? If this is what it's going to take, we're going to do this. I gave myself one year of that. Ended up getting on three stations um, all in the same day. So I'd drive to Hartford, Connecticut, which was about an hour and a half from where I grew up. And I would do 8 a.m. till noon. I would jump in a car. I'd drive from that point. It's three and a half hours to New Bedford. I would do... Um, six to 10 at night there. Then I'd drive to Boston and I'd do 2 a.m. till 6 a.m. overnight on Sunday morning. So I literally would get up. My dad would wake me up at about 5 a.m. and I wouldn't get back home until like seven the next day. So I was up 26 straight hours, no three stations in one day. Huh. Um, I told myself I couldn't do it forever, but I could do it for long enough till I got that full-time gig. And if in one year it didn't work out, yeah. all good. I gave it all that I could, right? At that point, I would succumb and say, we did it. Uh, three months later or three months of that grind, uh, Wait, so that was every day you were doing that was on saturday so oh, three saturdays, times on okay. saturdays and during the week i was doing substitute teaching okay, to pay okay, bills because okay, okay. part-time radio was like you're paying for your gas money at the time um march of 2003 i got a phone call from a station in portland maine uh they had opening for afternoon afternoon driving nights so it's like a small station so they combined the shift so it was like three to midnight a nine hour shift they brought me up for an interview and flato said you're not the best candidate by talent level but anybody that was crazy enough to do what you did every Saturday, do three stations on one day and want this as bad, he goes, I can't not hire you. I still remember I was teaching a math class. It was, it was I think at that time it was either my high school or my middle school. And I got a, a phone call and I couldn't answer. Cause you know, in the middle of class teaching or, you know, substitute teaching, which is basically yeah. watch a movie and let me sit here and put on my thumbs. <laughs> I saw his number come up and I'm like, I literally freaked out. You know what I mean? Class bell rings. I ran outside. I called him. I go, Got your call. I miss it. My bad. He goes, just wondering if you like the, the opportunity to come move to Portland, Maine and get your first full-time radio gig. I was like, yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> a week later, I moved to Portland, Maine. Knew nobody up there. Went up there. Pennies on the dollar of a job. But it was like, you know what? Here we go. Did that for about a, a year, a little over a year. Um, then I went to Hartford, Connecticut. They offered me the night show in Hartford, Connecticut. While there, I was driving back and forth to Boston, um, doing hosting clubs live on the radio uh, in Boston, Saturday, Friday nights and Saturday nights. And then Monday through Friday, I was in uh, Maine, and then I was in Hartford. So I was doing seven days a week, grinding between the two cities. Did that for about a year and a half, and it felt like it's time for me to try and make that big jump to a, a major city. And I saw openings in Washington, D.C., Atlanta, and San Diego. This was 2006. Um, Washington, D.C. went back and forth with me a little bit. I believe the market like six, major market. Um, I was top five candidate for that job. Ended up not getting it. Atlanta, I was top two, I believe, for the job at the time, and I'm not getting it. And as those rejections came, also came the phone call from San Diego. At the time, radio station I was on was Channel 933. They offered me an audition for the night show. 
So they flew me out here in 2006, put me up at the Omni Hotel downtown. Uh, I stayed, I think it was three or four nights, did a three-night audition live on Channel 933. Never been to San Diego in my life. Um, jumped on, interviewed for three days, and then uh, they offered me the position of the night show. Two weeks later, I had a one-way ticket to San Diego. That was 2006. Damn. Signed a one-year contract. I'm like, I'll do one year. I'll go back to Boston. You know, I did it on the West Coast, blah, blah, blah. Year goes by. During that year, I got put on uh, at Kiss FM in L.A. That was 2007. Um, that worked into a two-year contract and then another three-year contract into becoming music director of Channel 933, which is, you know, a major top 40 station. I'm getting, like, deal with the artists and the labels and help mm -hmm. create this radio station, which is dope. Uh, then I moved into mornings with Gina in 2010. Uh, it was Frankie and Gina. We ended up getting that show to number one in the market uh, within a couple of years, which was pretty dope. Uh, I was promoted to assistant program director of the radio station, picked up some more shows nationally. And um, then in 2015, uh, my dad had been sick, but he got uh, terminally ill, ended up passing away in 2015. And at his funeral, uh, one of the big bosses from Boston, you know, walked by me and my mom on the the line when you're shaking hands and saying your, your, your regards. And he looked at my mom and said, we're going to get Frankie back here. You just wait. And sure enough, a week later, I literally landed back in San Diego after the funeral phone call came. There was a change in Boston and they offered me the morning show on the hip hop station in Boston. One of the biggest hip hop stations in the country. One I grew up listening to, uh, to launch a new morning show with me, which was absolutely yeah. bananas. Cause yeah. you know, things were so good in San Diego. The numbers are great on, Channel 933, I'm on in L.A., you know, every weekend. It's like, life is so good. I had the best friends in the world, but that was Boston. That was home. My dad had just passed. It's like, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm in. And iHeart Radio, the company I work for, you know, I, I laid it out for me. Like, you're giving up all this to take a chance there. And I was like, if it wasn't for family stuff and that being Boston, my hometown and the need, I would, you know, just say thank you, but no thank you, but I have to take this. And I did. I, I left my job here, took the job in Boston, and did mornings uh, on Jam 94.5 in Boston for uh, a little over 10 months, almost a year. Uh, it was crazy. I lived at home with my mom for six months. <laughs> you know, I'm in, in my mid-30s, and I'm living at home with mom and getting her back on her feet. And bought a house, which was, like, crazy that I bought my first house. And my brother was living with me at the time, and things were just perfect. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm, I, you know, I got mom on her feet. I got this dope house. Like, I'm living the dream. Paychecks are crazy. I'm just, like, everything's amazing. And then I got called in my boss's office. It was also one of my, my buddies in this industry, and I could see his eyes had that look in it. And I'm like, this ain't good. He's like, I just want to let you know that we are uh, ending your show today <coughs> and moving to syndication and removing the local budget on the radio station. And usually I think in that situation, people just break down. It's like, I can't believe this and get angry. Mm -hmm. For me, I thanked him. I said, I don't care what happens from here on out. Like, I needed to get home when I had to get home, and you did it for me. You gave me a dope paycheck. You got me back home. You put me on the station I wanted to be on. You did all this. He's like, yeah, but it shouldn't have ended this quickly. And I'm like, I totally get it. iHeart being an amazing company kept me on. It's like a pay for play. I think they call it where, <laughs> where you're, um, you'll stay on contract. It's not like I got fired. I just got removed from that position. So I'm still mm -hmm. getting paid as they kind of figured out what's going to be next for me. And I kind of let them know that my goals are to either stay in Boston. And if there's a chance to go back to San Diego, I'm not, <laughs> not against getting back to that, 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 that city. Uh, neither seemed like they were possible. About a month went by of, I would say unemployment, but it wasn't unemployment. It wasn't like I was not getting it figured out, like we're trying to work together to figure this out. I was close to quitting radio. I still remember I was taking, I was going, to, uh, I was peeing in the, in, the, in the bathroom at the house that I owned. And I, my brother was down the hall and I yelled, yo, Mikey. He's like, what? I go, I think I'm done. 
like I did it. What else do I have to prove, right? You know what I mean? I built some savings up. I bought a house. I made it back home to Boston. I've been on in LA. I've been on in Chicago. I've been on in San Diego. I was going through like all the markets, DC, like all that I've been on either live or, you know, in the studio here. I'm like, I did it. Like what else do I have to prove in this industry? Yeah. Like I've already done it. It's like I- I've invested in some businesses. I'm learning real estate. Like I can be okay. And I would say 10 minutes later, phone rings. It was, Get uh, the fuck out. One of the EVPs of iHeart Radio out of LA. He's like, what are you doing right now? I'm like, um, quitting. Yeah. He goes, I'm gonna call you back in five minutes. Make sure you're sitting down. And I'm like, this is going to be either really good or like really bad. Sure enough, five minutes later, the phone rings and it was my former big boss in San Diego and the uh, big EVP of iHeart. And I'm like, all right, you said you wanted to stay in Boston. Ultimately, there's not a position worthy of what you do talent-wise to stay in Boston. It's like, it's not worth it. Um, you mentioned you wanted to be back in like a big major morning show. It's like right now in the country, there's not that opportunity. But you also mentioned San Diego. And just so you know, tomorrow we are creating a new hip-hop station called Gemini 95.7. It's not the morning position right now, but we need an assistant program director and music director to run day-to-day, deal with the record labels, the artists. And we'd like to offer you the afternoon drive position. And I just like, you just have that weird feeling go, what the fuck? It's just like, yeah. I looked up and I was like, that's dad. That's dad making it happen. He got me home when I needed to be. And then when I was so close to quitting this business, mentally, that call came. And it was crazy because I, I, I was like, give me like five minutes. Let me just like figure out my life for a second. Hung up, called my mom real quick. and like, ma, good and bad. Here's a bad. I, I think I'm leaving Boston. Here's a good at going back to San Diego. And she just started crying. She's like, that's where you belong. Yeah. Like, call them back now. Tell them you're going. Call them back. Um, I was actually supposed to be at the Indy 500 that Friday, um, which was the same day. So this was on Thursday, same day that they wanted me to be here or that they are, were telling me the station's going to launch. I'm like, perfect. When do I get out there? I'm going to be in Indianapolis for the next few days. Like, we need you here tomorrow. Like, actually, we need you here in about 10 hours. I was like, you need what? I'm like, I got to be in Indianapolis. Like, I've already paid for my ticket. I got the hotel. I got this. I'm meeting boys out there. We're going to do, you know, a, a fellas trip, trying to clear my mind. I'm like, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll fly you into San Diego in 10 hours for literally 20 minutes. We'll book your flight to Indianapolis and book your flight back to Boston for you. <laughs> so literally packed up a day bag, Jeez. flew to San Diego hours later, landed. Um, nobody knew I was coming back. It was like such a hush-hush thing. That's kind of how the radio business can be at times. What year was this? 2016, um, three and a half years ago. And they had this like, we have a performance studio, a big studio, and they had the whole sales team and they had all the honor people and they're saying they're launching the station. Nobody really knew what was happening. And they say, we're bringing hip hop back to San Diego, Gem 95.7. And they started through the day parts. They started and said who the morning show was going to be at the time. Middays, nights, and they said, and coming in afternoons, a guy you might kind of know, he's been around some of you guys' lives. And all of a sudden, like, you know, they had me walk out on stage and like everybody erupted. It was kind of cool. Like, Frankie's mm-hmm. coming back to help us with this. And it, it was like a, a sigh of relief. Like, it kind of full circle happened. Uh, during my first year back into an afternoons, I, I let it be known that uh, I'm cool with being in San Diego, but eventually, my creative talents are morning show driven. I like to talk more, be creative. Um, I'm like, if it doesn't happen in San Diego, totally fine. Like I get it. But like in the company, if something ever does open up, I'd like to know that I'm being thought of. Um, about a year later, they shifted some stuff and brought me into mornings here on Gemin with a, a girl named Tati, which was pretty dope. I'm like, man, I'm back in, but it was kind of a weird situation <laughs> in a way too, because it's like, you know, she had moved back to San Diego to be with Pablo, who's a, the homie of everybody too. They ended up putting Pablo in afternoons, me in mornings. And we did that for about two years. And then this past August or so, they moved Tati over to a sister station and offered the morning show to be mine as Frankie V and the Gemini 95.7 morning show. Rebranded under me, and it's 
my umbrella now on my show, which is so crazy to think that 13 years later in San Diego, I'm still doing it in the city. I have a morning show that is mine that I can create yeah. and touch and mold and build. And it's weird to think that it started off of in college being told that I wasn't good enough and then not good enough, you know, in this small market, market 250 or whatever it was in New Bedford, Mass, too. Thinking I was going to quit radio and be done, and I did it too. Being here, and I feel like I'm in the best position that I probably have ever been in my career, getting to be the lead host of a morning show as we bring hip hop back to San Diego, which is crazy. Station's doing well, morning show's having fun. I'm on in LA, I'm on in Austin, Texas, doing afternoons, weekends in Boston, Massachusetts, and, and Portland, Oregon. I'm on a syndicated show that goes to about 10 different markets at night. Uh, it, it's just crazy that it, it, it's there and it's happening and it's cool and it's, it's stressful and it's long. There's days that you still want to be like, all right, I think I'm good. Like, yeah, it's time yeah. to not kill yourself like you are at times. But then you stop and say, how dope is it that, like, I get up at 3.30 in the morning to go into a studio and, and talk on the radio and have people react to it. And, yeah. I, you know, it, it, in San Diego, it's such a cool-ass market, too, where it's a big city with a small city feel. And it's funny. I'll go places, and people will recognize my voice. You know, I went to get a sandwich with my girlfriend the other day, and the lady there was like, hold on. What did you say your name was? Like, I go, Frankie. And she was like, on the radio? And then she got all excited. And then <laughs> yesterday, same thing happened. I was getting something um, at, at the food hall in Little Italy. And the girl said, like, my mom loves you. She listens all the time. And I was like, it's so cool that San Diego's that market that likes her media, likes her stuff. And it, it it's just fun. And I don't know. It, it, it's fun to look back. There's days when I do get frustrated. Totally, yeah. But I look back on that day when I was told, like I said, in college, 100 d- denials and, and told by that program director I wasn't good enough. And I was told, stay in sales. And stay in advertising and you're never going to make money. You're never going to do this. You never get to a major city. And it's like, you step back and it's like, all those no's brought me to the yes mm-hmm. of where I am. And it's like, I love this city, man. And, you know, Pete and I are, are homies. We got such a good group of friends. You guys are awesome. It's like, this city is just so energetic when it comes to like people like myself that moved here knowing nobody. I mean, I know you, you, you totally, yeah, know, and yeah, a lot yeah. of people move here not knowing anybody and we all become family. It's just a, a special market. And to be able to do radio in a market like this is, I mean, if I was to end today, if tomorrow I walked in and like you're done, I could officially say I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. Like you've done it. Sure. You know? It's crazy. But hopefully that doesn't happen and I stay going. Yeah, <laughs> so getting the, so being at the point where you're at, like you said, you've accomplished everything you've had to. Like you said, if it ends today, it ends tomorrow, yeah. you're good. So what keeps you motivated now? So, you know, it's funny because I, I have accomplished a lot. Everything, no, right? You know, it, it's cool being a part of uh, the first hip-hop station in San Diego and mm-hmm. – damn near 10, 12 years and being at the forefront of the management side of that. Uh, my goal is each day to like keep on building hip hop and retraining San Diego to like that. When it comes from morning show standpoint, the station's new and it's, it takes time to build and people to find you and to do it. And it's like the morning shows had so many great weeks of ratings and it goes up and down. My goal is to solidify that and just make it, you know, top notch. And it's, I get driven every day to be the best to win, to get reaction, to do that. It's that, that hunger has not left me. And I don't think I, I'll say I fully succeeded. And it's funny. People are like, what do you mean you haven't succeeded? You've come this far. It's like when when I, I get that ratings bonus that says you're number one on, on this station and in mornings here, I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. Now we're getting there. Mm-hmm. There's other opportunities that come up and there's growth always. Like I don't feel like I'm ever stopping. Like there's no ceiling for what I can do. Uh, there's no ceiling what any of us can do in whatever career you choose. And I feel like doing media, working for iHeartMedia as a company, there's a, a lot of opportunity of growth and I think my 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 next goal is my motivation is just to keep on being the best and keep on being creative. Like I love getting creative. I can't sleep some nights. I'll be laying in bed and like, yo, here's a bit I got to do tomorrow or got to talk about this. And like, I'll literally stay the other night. I couldn't fall asleep because I had this dope idea that I wanted to do on the radio. It's like I just wanted to go in the studio at that point in time. Like, <laughs> let's just do it now. It's two in the morning. Who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it takes plenty of stuff. So I, I, those are the moments that like 
I look at it, I've been in radio almost 20 years and it's like, I saw those moments of like, I can't wait to just yeah. get in there and crack that mic. Mm-hmm. I was on vacation for a week and a half and literally came back on Monday and I said to my producer, I'm like, I'm excited. Like, I'm excited to get up at 3.30 this morning. I'm excited to jump on that microphone. Like, I couldn't wait to just crack that mic again. When that leaves me, that's when I'm officially done. Until that leaves, my I'm motivated to just be the best I can and keep on growing and ultimately becoming... I mean, I want to leave a mark on this city too. I've been fortunate. It's like I want to just yeah, yeah. People just to say radio and just remember my name twenty years from now, fifty years from now, whatever it is. Yeah, I, I feel like there's there's one like really specific part of everything you you said because I've I've heard bits and pieces of that story, but definitely what stands out is just you're you were fucking relentless. Yeah. Um, and why I want to like attach to that is I don't think that that's you don't see that very often anymore, especially in the work world. Is uh, as I, I feel like a lot of and you might see now too the new generation coming into radio specifically, um, the same thing that the guy told you who had 40 years of experience and whoever it was that finally opened those doors is like, I've never seen this before. Like I've never seen someone with this. And I think that's fair to say in almost any industry. For you sure. just, you don't, and especially in entertainment, entertainment, but you're, you're, you're big in entertainment. Is that around anymore? Do you like, do you see in your world and do you see like, uh, like younger, like the Frankie V juniors out mm. there, or, or is it something that that it's it's as rare in in your space? Yeah, no, it's twofold for sure. I agree that it's it's gone in a lot of ways, and it's it's frustrating. But I, I do look for that when it come, comes to trying to grow people. And you know, my younger brother Mikey is now the assistant program director, music director, night host in Boston, huge station. He's watching him. It was cool to say, like I tell him, he keeps me motivated because you know he's eight and a half years younger, and I see him still busting and mm-hmm. trying to grow, and it's that keeps me motivated. You step back to the generation even now that's you know eight years younger than him. There's not as many out there. There's not as many fighting mm-hmm. for it. But when I see them, I try to make sure I, I grasp on them. Like on my morning show now, there's a kid named Tarzan who uh, probably 22 years old. He was working promotions. He's a DJ. Uh, and he just, you could tell he wanted to be more on the programming side, mm-hmm. less the promotion side. And when the changes happened on my morning show, he would just pop in and want to just watch and hang out. And, you know, we don't have interns and it's like, it's not legal to work, but I'm like, if you want to sit in the studio and learn, like, I, I love being a teacher. I love talking about this. And he'd pick it up and learn and learn. He'd ask the right questions and he would get up early in the morning and just ask questions and he would be there. And it's like, you know, just to watch. And I'm like, this kid's going to be good. And when they gave me the opportunity to find some hours to bring him on, he's now doing my social media and part of the show. And, you know, starting this weekend, we had some changes on our late night, Saturday night mixes. And, you know, he was the first one I thought about, like, I've heard his mixes. He's good. He's this. I'm like, you know what? This kid has earned this shot. I'm not same with me. Is he the most talented DJ? Maybe not, but do I know that he's going to give his one? Just like I wasn't the best on air yeah. at the time, so there's very few at times. But when I see them, I make sure to do all I can to grow them because I mean, mm-hmm. you want to make sure they're they're still coming because I'm so excited about radio and the business. And if it's not for when I started, I feel like there's hundreds of us hungry. Mm-hmm. Now there's one or two. Like I got to make sure those. Well, it's, it's got to be critical too. Now you got two, 20 years, and you need those people. Need like, it that just re-injects it into mm-hmm. you and it reminds you and seeing them probably is an added motivation. 100%. Even though, you know, there's, they're 20 years behind you. There's a motivation behind that. And there's a motivation behind teaching just as much it as was, learning. It pushes me. I tell everybody, take my job. Like I want you to be yeah. so good that you're mm-hmm. challenging me. Right. You know, you, you never want to lose your job, but I want you to be making me work harder. Like I want these kids to push me, you know, like, totally. and, and they do. And it's exciting to see. They teach me too. Like there's, you know, the TikTok app is like taking over right now. You're on TikTok. Yeah, we kind of have to be in ours. <laughs> in ours. And, and I, I'll be honest, like, I'm still, I'm still learning that. We got to do it. Right, you know, and, but but Tarzan is good at that. So, you know, I can lean on him to teach me those things that mm-hmm. I might not know as well because I'm not 18 yeah, years yeah. old. I'm not in high school, like, watching it, but I know that audience is listening. So for me to be relatable 100% to that audience, I got to know 
what they're using. So it helps me to have these younger kids that are hungry to teach me that stuff. So I can teach him how to be better music selection when he mixes. And I can teach him how to be a better personality on the air. He can teach me how to be better on social media. He can teach me how to be better on the, the young end stuff. And there's songs that come out that you find off of TikTok and you find right. off of SoundCloud that I'm so busy working with record labels on this level that sometimes I'll miss this. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, the song Arizona Zervis um, <laughs> right now came off of, of TikTok. Dude has been doing music for years. And he said that in an interview recently, yeah. but they're coming off of those things. And it's weird how the shift happens. And oftentimes record labels find them and they'll come to me with it. But there's also times where out of nowhere, it goes from zero to a billion streams. And it's like, uh -huh. yeah. who is this? And I, you know, he'll be like, dude, have you heard this song? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And sure enough, like <laughs> two weeks later, it's like the next biggest thing. Funny story about that song specifically. Yeah. I was in Dallas playing an event for SMU. Okay. And this nine-year-old girl came up requesting that song. And I had zero right. idea what she was talking about. Yep. But she was somebody important's daughter. Mm -hmm. So I had to go find the song and download it. I played it. I was like, that's kind of cool. Two weeks later, number well, one on Spotify, all over, new ad on it, all it, the it went into power rotation on a radio station and today. And I'll tell you what, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, I, I literally thought it was a mistake in our computer system when I saw that my <laughs> boss had put a song in for me to schedule because we do music meetings and out of nowhere, like that was, we didn't even have a discussion. So it's crazy. But to me, it's like the first thing I do with that, I'm like, I asked him, hey, you know, of course you know that song. It's like mm -hmm. it's been out on TikTok for yeah, six yeah. months. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. So now I can vibe with it. But I need that. I need those younger kids that understand that. You need that nine-year-old to come mm -hmm. up to you and say, hey, you know, say, because you're an amazing Put DJ and you're in the clubs and all that. But even at the clubs, it's 21 plus. Yeah. You might not know that next song. So you're right. At the time, you don't know. But now it's the next biggest thing that you're playing. Right. You learn from a nine-year-old. I learned from a 20-year-old in studio. So it's that younger generation, if they don't get hungry for music or get hungry for totally. learning stuff. Where, where are you DJing at? There's nine-year-olds running around. That's a good question. question. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I was when You were tiptoeing around at like SMU University. They got, they got in all ages. You never let 18-year-olds in, but nine-year-olds? You need to talk SMU. We'll have my episode later, but and this is making some requests, too. That's funny. She's ballsy. Hey, that's the boss's daughter. She does what she wants. Going back to what you were saying, though, about like making sure you're making yourself available and helping you know, people like Tarzan. Yep. Uh, I think that's how that's got to be important as well for you, not just on the on-air, from mm -hmm. the on-air aspect, but you're a PD, right? Assistant program director. Uh, assistant APD. program director, yep. APD. Uh, but you got to build that culture, right? Yeah, for sure. So uh, how much of your time do you dedicate to trying to, you know, make sure you're teaching not just Tarzan, but other well, others? You know, it's funny because I feel like when radio started, um, like any business, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. you didn't wear as many hats, right? You know, you did one job and that was your one job. The program director was just a program director. Assistant program director, music director was off the air and just handled that side of it. Now we all have multiple titles. So if I'd say there's one thing I could grow better at is finding more time to, to guide these kids, you know, and I do a, a good amount of it, but I would love to have an extra hour a day to be like, sit down and ask a million questions. You know, I try to do it during the studio time. Um, am I good at it? I think I'm great at teaching because I've been taught well. Am I great at finding the time? Sometimes I do have to pencil that in, but I'm always available. And I always say to these younger guys, uh, the phone's in my pocket. If I don't answer, just text me. If you have any questions, I can help you. Cool thing is um, on our staff, there's other people that are great. Like on our, on our morning show is DJ Al as well, who you guys know. And he's excited for Tarzan because, you know, Al is another one that wants to teach these younger generations. And so I can say to him, hey, mm -hmm. you're so good at like, you understand what I need as a music director um, for the mixes in the morning to succeed and get ratings can you kind of give some of that knowledge to Tarzan when I'm unable to, and he'll step in, you know? So we have 
guys like that. So I try my best. You know, another funny story is Marcus McNeil helps on my show as well. He was a former right. pro bowler from the Chargers. And he when I did nights in 933 years ago, he was starting left tackle and he used to come on my night show and give love advice. It was a funny bit. Um, I would never say at that time we became like boys, boys, but we became cool. You know what I'm saying? But he was still like, you know, the dude in the charges with him, LT, Rivers, like your three guys that you know, and, and Gates too. It was like, those are like the four guys. And then um, he ended up getting hurt after signing a big deal and moved back to Atlanta. And I hadn't seen him in damn near 10 years. I was at Barbusa uh, about a year and a half ago. Shocker. 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 <laughs> and I get a tap on my shoulder and I look up and like, he's six foot eight. He's like, Frank? I'm like, Marcus, damn, you got skinny. Like, he lost so much weight. <laughs> He's like, I'm back in town. I just moved back. Grab my new number. We got to kick it. And I was so busy. And I just, you know, it wasn't that I was not paying attention. I didn't want to hang. But it's just like, I wasn't, I was in LA every weekend. I was like, I didn't have that time. And he hit me up. I was like, bro, what's going on this weekend? I'm coming out. We're hanging. And we end up hanging out. Super dope. And then last Super Bowl last year, I was like, you know what? It'd be good to get Marcus on to talk about Super Bowl stuff. You know, hip-hop station. He's part of the culture. Let's get him in. And he was so good on the mic. I'm like, dude, you need to come in more often. So he would pop in maybe once every few months. Not a whole lot, but enough. Um, when the morning show shift happened and became my show, he hit me up. He's like, can I ask a, a favor? I go, what's up, Marcus? He goes, I talked to Ladanian Tomlinson. I talked to Marcellus Wiley. Um, they both do a lot of uh, ESPN and Fox reporting. And I asked them, how do I get to where you guys are on the, on the media side? And they said, you need more rest, Marcus. It's like in football. like You can't just step on the mm -hmm. field and be that starting NFL pro tackle need your reps he goes can i ask you to get some reps i'm like what do you mean by that he goes can i come in and sit in the corner keep my mouth shut a couple of days a week and just learn from you he's like you're the dawn of this business i can respect you in this like can i just wow. watch you and i said marcus i'm gonna tell you this much you can come in as many days as you want to but every time you step in your mic goes on as well and he was like no i don't want airtime i'm not asking like you know i don't need anything from me i just want to learn i said no i'm asking you to help me i'm telling you if you come in i'll help and teach you but i'm gonna turn your mic on because you're pretty funny you know, you get the hip-hop audience. Like, you're a former Charger, so it gives me clout to begin with on the show. It's like, this dude's... Mm -hmm. And that started out, like, one day a week to two days a week. Now, some days, days he's in there every day and helping out on the show and just being a big ball of energy. And every time he leaves, like, Frank, thank you. I go, for what? He goes, for letting me be in here, man. This is the most fun I'm having. And it's, it's funny because he's in his mid-30s now. He's a former NFL player, you know, multi-million dollar, doesn't need to do anything else, I'm sure. Like, his life is set, and he's excited to learn radio and media and it's cool. It energizes me again, right? You know, it's not just that 20-year-old yeah, kid. Yeah. Here's a dude that had the best career you could ever have. You go play in the pros for, you know, six, seven years. Like, you've done it. And now he wants to start learning the media. And he turns to me for that advice. So I guide him as well as anybody else. Don't take it. I'm like, Marcus, next time, you know, don't say that or don't go this way. Or next time, if I'm waving my hand, like, speed up your break. And, you know, we got to get up. And he's like, oh, I love it. I'm learning. What else do I need to know? And he's taking notes in the studio. I'm like, how dope is that? That Like, That's this so dude cool. that, you know, I used to kind of look up to in the football field is doing that. He's bringing so, that football mentality right he over. does 100 yeah. and it's so funny because he shows up at 5 55 the show starts at six he's there early he gets in today he's like man it was tough he's like my baby he's got a baby that was up and i couldn't this i couldn't sleep and this he goes but three o'clock happened now you know i'm getting my coffee i'm ready here we go he's like i'm half asleep but we're gonna have a good show today and it was kind of cool he didn't blow it off he, you know he's, he's doing it almost as like I, I would say a favor you know to me that he wants to come in and help out uh so it's exciting so i got i have a lot of good energy around me on my new show it's like lily my producer somebody that's been on the air on and off in San Diego for many years, but this is her biggest opportunity to, you know, basically executive produce the show. And Al's done some radio stuff, but he's never really been in a studio a whole lot. And I got him in there. So it's, I got a lot of new people, which brings a lot of energy to me. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of cool to teach them. I feel like every morning I'm teaching them and I'm kind of guiding them and talking through different things that we're going to do. And when I do a bit and I explain to them, I try to do my best. So it's not like sitting down like one-on-one -on -one teaching, but it's like, here's why I chose to do this bit and take it this angle because I figured this would happen. So I kind of teach them my thought process as well.
but it's exciting, man. It's like that's I love doing that stuff. And I love yeah, it. it's it's a new challenge. It's a, <clears throat> the, probably the biggest challenge I've ever had in yeah. radio is what I'm doing right now. But it's also the biggest, I, I don't know, positive feeling, man. I, I said it recently to my boss. I'm like, when I used to play football, there were days like I remember. I still remember we had a, a game, and afterwards we were on the bus ride home. We had lost in college, and everybody's partying. And we're talking about we're going to drink tonight. My coach is like, time out. You guys have enough energy to talk about partying tonight. You guys just got your asses kicked. Why didn't you do that on the field? And I feel like radio is the same. There's sometimes I'll leave the studio after the show. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm ready. Let's go do a happy hour somewhere. And I'm like, I shouldn't have that energy left in me. And I feel like now when 10 o'clock hits before I go into my other duties, I got to take like a 15 minute, like deep breath. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. And I feel like I'm leaving it all in the field every single day again, which is going back to your question. What motivates me? It's that, that moment when 10 o'clock hits and I look at the team and said, today's show flew by and I'm fucking exhausted. It's like, that's the moment right now. And I feel like, Four out of the five days a week, I'm that way. Some weeks, it's five out of five that I literally am at that mentally burnt out state at the end of the show. And it's like the best feeling. It's like I left nothing on that field. I did the best show possible. Yeah. It's challenging right now with the adjustments and <clears throat> newer guys and newer casts around me. But it's also like the most amazing feeling to like come home. Like, it was a good day. Yeah, man. I mean, the approach Marcus took or the approach you, you took, even whether it's football or radio, the best way to learn anything is to be around guys like you or, or, or in it. It's like people say, you know, you hang around in a garage long enough, you learn how to fix a car. Yeah. Like you get in a radio studio long enough, which when you were in the early days, I'll work for free. Marcus, I'll work for free. Like I just want to sit and observe and be surrounded by it. The next day it's going to feel more comfortable. True. You're going to learn more. But I don't know if anybody like, like really understands that or like puts a price point on that because that's the most it's valuable. Funny said, it's funny you say about the price point. Cause I tell everybody when I was starting in radio doing those three stations, I wasn't even getting gas money at the time. I mean, that was just enough to get me to and from, but I felt like I was going back to college. It's like I was learning. You know what I'm saying? It cost me. I was getting paid pennies on dollar, but I was learning. It was like free education of how to get better at radio. It was so cool because we all sat through high school classes and college classes that were bullshit that we could care less about, right? I mean, how, totally. many, yeah. how many classes did you say, like, this is such a waste of my time and I got to do this to get a grade? <laughs> every never, class. Every class, right? And, and, and you spent good money in college to do that stuff. And it was like you step back and like, what a, I wouldn't say a waste, but it, in a way it was a waste of time, money when it became radio for me, it was like, I wanted to learn and I didn't care if I was getting paid or not paid. Cause I paid for, you know, college is expensive. You, you, I had partial football scholarship and it's still expensive. I'm like, but they're actually going to pay me, even though it wasn't a lot to sit in the mm -hmm. studio and learn. It was like, I felt like I was going back to college, but this time they're paying me to go to college. It was kind of a, a, a cool mm -hmm. feeling. Cause everything I was learning, I wanted to learn. Plus you, like when you were doing that Saturday, crazy three, three gig grind. Yeah. Now, when you went and talked to the next, next position, which is what happened you had something to talk about yep. relevant. Like, Hey, this is what I've done versus they don't care where you went to school, nope. where you grew up, you know, your potential, what you sell them. Like, like, no, you had something to talk about. Mm -hmm. I've been on the air, even if you were getting paid nothing, yep. but you virtually were, right. you know, you have something in the space to talk about. So then the next one, now you got that job. The next one, you have more to talk about, yep. more to talk about. So I tell everybody, if you start a business, it's not ideal. And you think, well, how do I make money? If your first client's free, that next client, you can talk about the one yep. you have. But in the meantime, you're just going to go around saying, I, I, I promise I can do this. Mm -hmm. I promise I'd be the best on the air. Well, well who's giving you a shot? That's funny. You three shots. It reminds me of this um, quick moment in time, too, is when I was making the transition from sales on air. And the program director of the station, the Boston Star, who's now in Atlanta, <clears throat> I went into his office and I said, I know you don't have any openings right now, but between you and I, I'm about to walk into the sales boss's office, my advertising, and tell him I'm done. Do you recommend that I do that? And, you know, you're not really <laughs> supposed to get advice from, like, different departments, right? You know what I'm saying? And he looked at me and said, Frankie, do it. 
He goes, I know you're making good money right now. I mean, I was pushing close to six figures at like 21 years old, 22, because you're selling advertising. I'm doing well. And it feels like a millionaire. At, yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, especially when you're in your early 20s and it's like sales, you make money. He goes, don't worry about the money. He goes, find out what you want to do. And it seems like he wants to be on air and you can make all the money in the world and become as successful as you want to. I looked at him. He goes, look at this. He goes, if you're a trash man and your dream is to be the trash man, you can become the head of the union of the trash union and make six figures and live a great life. If that's what you want to do. He's like, think about any career. There's always going to be a top thing. So find out what it is and just work your way to the top of it. He goes, if it's on air, you're going to make no money to start, but I promise you, you're going to be able to get there. Next station, when I was in Maine making minimal money, my boss said to me, if you work hard enough, you'll be able to pick your plane flight to the city you want to work in in radio. And sure as fuck enough, wanted to work in San Diego, got that gig, wanted to move back to Boston, got that gig, yeah, wanted to come yeah. back to San Diego. And it was like, all those words of advice, at the time, I'm like, I'm just a punk kid. I'm like, ah, oh, they don't know what they're talking about. Ah, let me just try it anyways. At least gave me that confidence. And it was funny, you know, you work your way up, you get the money, you work hard enough, you get to choose where yeah. you want to go. And it was that <clears throat> advice like that that I tell these younger kids. I tell Tarzan, and I do just take all the gigs you can do DJing right now because eventually somebody's going to need you to move on, move up, oh. you know. Do all you can at the station with a smile on your face. Even if you don't want to put up that tent at a promotion event, put a smile on your face because somebody's going to see that smile and want you to do more in our business and it's tough to find kids that want to smile, but those that do, it's still true as 20 years later, as I was told, put a smile on your face, you can work your way up. Yeah, and maybe the difference was with you and, and with <coughs> with people who, who are like the Marcuses, the one who say, I'll work for free, is, yeah. is they know where they want to be. Truth. You know, and, and you Very knew important. you wanted to be here, mm -hmm. so you're like, dude, I'll eat dirt and I'll do whatever it takes to get there. Mm -hmm. And maybe the difference is the ones that don't know where they want to be, they're just kind of working a job. True. You know, and, and that's why I always say in college, like, we're still, you're still kids well through college. You're yeah. still a kid. But if, if I would give any anyone advice in college, like I, w I wouldn't rag on college, even though I don't I don't remember. I, I, I joked with some friends the other day. I'm like, I don't remember one professor's name. That's how bad it is. Now you think you want to talk about a topic or a class. But what college teaches you, you know, it's it's discipline when you're 18 to 22, which otherwise you, you have no discipline and you're just going to run fucking reckless. But then I tell everybody, figure out in college, you meet people from all over. Like I dropped the whole when I was in high school, you kind of have the little stigmas and the clicks. Next thing I know, I'm living in a, in a with a sharing a bathroom with a guy from Missouri and this guy from there, and you have a hallway and a dorm of people yeah. from all over the country. It's like, hey, use that as, at least as a runway to figure out where you what you want to do, Good. where you want to go. Even if you're sitting in an accounting class mm -hmm. or an arts class or something like that, like it at least gives you four years, you get a degree. But in your world or a lot of the worlds, like degrees don't, Maybe. they might get you a sit down, but they don't <laughs> apply. But figure out like. I want to go on radio sure. or I I wanna, whatever it is, whatever you want I, to do. And then, and then move. For I sure. always tell people that's the hardest part is figuring out what you, you want? want to do after that. It's easy. Yes. I figured I was very fortunate enough to know what I wanted to do at a very early age, yep. as did he. And once you know what you want, the path is easy and no one's going to say, no one can say anything to stop you. When, when, you, when you have that desire, you, the no's are motivation. Mm -hmm. And like I said, for me, it's like, I knew Go where on. I was going to get to. And every time somebody told me I couldn't, it made me want to get there. That totally. much more. If I didn't have that, and I was just like, I just want to make money, and it's not happening, you just sit in the same little fuzzy area, right? Because it's not about the money. It's always going to be about the pinnacle of whatever you want to get to, and the money's going to come. And I, I tell kids that now, but it's so true. Like, if you know where you want to get to, that road, you're going to get there. Might be some bumps and bruises, but I took those bumps, those bruises, those no's as, that's like, fuck yeah. Keep saying no to me, because the more you say no, the totally. harder I'm going to work. And you know what? Because that's a great point. But I feel like it's almost like it's a 50-50 split and just as valuable. And it might sound confusing, but also learning what you don't want. And you said earlier, mm -hmm. like, I didn't want to work at didn't. a desk. But there are people out there like, I want to be a lawyer. Yeah. You know, I want to practice law. I'm passionate about it. And there's a part of me when I was young, I wanted to do that. So then you go in that direction and you learn, 
no, I don't want to do this. Cool. That box is out. Or I just don't want to be in an office setting at all. Well, now you got to sit down and regather and be like, where, where the hell are you going to go now? You got to work. We all mm-hmm. need to make money. Have to. So where's it going to take you? So I think there's just as much in the value to be like, I don't want to do this, 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 and this. And there might be a lot of people who just go towards that because when you're in college, like I went through the business school, they steer you directly in that direction. 100%. That, that's, but, a, that's a job, right? Here's what you're going to it's, and it's And it's almost like robotic, like we're all the same. Like, nope, you get your degree and you go that way. Well, not everybody's the same. And you're dealing with hundreds, if not thousands mm-hmm. of people. And the first job recruited right out of college, sat down at my cube. I'm like, fuck. Literally, fuck. I'm like, fuck. Sure. No one's within my age. I'm, I'm, it was everything I saw in movies, like office space that you think about <laughs> the office. It was, right there, yeah. it was like that job was meant to show me, get the fuck out of here. I didn't last yeah. a month, but they, they just steer you in that direction. Cause that's just the general, yeah, that's, that's, that's the general it. easiest way versus finding out, Hey, Hey Frankie, I know you're sitting in this finance class, but yeah. do you give a shit? Like, what do you want to, what do you really want to do? You know, it's so funny when I, when I was doing sales, I was 21. Like I said, I was getting good at it too. Cause I think, I think a lot of clients felt comfortable with me cause I wasn't a sales guy. I was me and, I had Patriots tickets and rest of that. So I'm like, hey, you know, you find these guys. I'm like, come with me. You know, we'll talk about advertising. I'll take you to the game. Next thing, they're totally. like, oh, I'm hanging out with the cool kid. We're having fun. But I remember looking in the mirror one day at 21 with that half-ass suit that I would wear because I was like, I don't want to wear this. And I looked in the mirror and I looked old. I was like, I was 21 years old. I looked old. Paychecks was good. Things were good. I had, you know, living in a house and it, and it was dope. And I'm like, but this isn't me. Mm-hmm. I took the biggest pay cut you could ever take in a career to get into radio. And I still remember I was by my mailbox, 23 years old, Portland, Maine. And somebody walked by me. It's like, why are you always so happy, bro? Like, you got you live in a <laughs> shitty ass apartment. You know you're making no money right now. You're eating ramen noodles and you have a smile. I go because I get paid to talk on the radio. Like it was crazy. It wasn't about the money. It's like I was so excited that I could pay five hundred dollars for a beat up apartment and that I had enough money to get ramen noodles and that you know I made friends with the guy down the street that owned a club that would give me free drinks if I just show up. You know, like I started finding ways of getting it done. And it had nothing to do with the finances. It was about the opportunity. And I still remember, like, why are you so happy? Why are you always smiling, man? Why are you always? I'm like, look what I get to do every single day. I get to walk in here and talk on the radio. And I had no idea where I was going to go from there, if I'd ever financially be good or if I'd ever get to where I've gotten to. But I knew at that point in time, I was getting paid. At my apartment, my car payment says all getting paid because I turned the microphone on. How dope was that? It was paycheck to paycheck, but everything got covered. Because I got to do this. Totally, yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome. the battle right there. It just, is. Like, mm-hmm. Just being happy about being the Being happy. Because when you have that smile, and that's mm-hmm. what I tell these kids, have that smile. Because I'll tell you what, my boss would see that smile, and he'd find ways to grow me versus that dude that was moping around and bitching. You could see how quickly their opportunities weren't coming. Mm-hmm. You could see how quickly mine started to go. And it was just a smile, man. It's like be fortunate for what you're getting because bigger is going to come. And I would say to people say to me, what would you do differently? And the one thing I would do differently would appreciate more of where I was and not be so worried about where I wanted to get to, mm-hmm. which sounds weird to say but i wish i knew back at 23 years old that i'd be sitting here with you guys talking about you know hosting a morning show in san diego and getting to do all that i get to do i wish i knew uh 17 years ago or so that this was going to happen because i would have sat there in portland maine making no money and having more fun like i would have just enjoyed every second of it versus you're worried about i was worried about what's next because i was having fun i was enjoying it but i knew there was bigger out there and i was so worried not worried but focused on getting there which i mean that helped me get to where i got to same point is I wish I stepped back for a second, just been like, how dope is this though, right? I'm in a small little yeah. town. I'm not even good on the radio, but I'm like famous in Portland, Maine. You know, <laughs> like everywhere you go, you can't a small walk town. through town. You yeah. can't because it's a small Two blocks town. Of downtown. You can't walk through 100%, <laughs> right? But yeah, at the time, I'm like, oh, that's cool, but I got to get bigger. You know, anyways, it, uh, looking back, I wish I had appreciated those moments knowing that you could get here, but I definitely had a smile on my face 24 7. 
yeah. in Maine. And I didn't have a whole lot except for an apartment, a car payment that I was getting paid for, and I got to talk on the radio. It, 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 it's cool. And, that, and that's what I tell these kids, going back to the kids, is just have that smile on your face. Be proud of where you're at. Don't worry about where you got to get to because it's going to happen if you if you put yourself in that position with a smile. Did that mindset come from your experience through this whole process, or was that something you feel like uh, you grew up like your parents? or You know, my... I, I think it's funny being a Bostonian, like growing up in Boston, it's always like a hard headed, like you There's can't tell me no. There's a lot of, that's why I love Boston. It's like Boston part two out here. But like growing up, I feel like that's like the East coast mentality in Boston, especially it's like, there's, you're just gonna, you're just gonna get it done. It's always the thing. I feel like there's no, no, like you can't tell somebody no. So I think that helped me. And I also think that my experiences of the no's put that smile on my face. Cause I got excited about those no's. Most people got frustrated. Like I said, and when those no's would come, and then I got that job in Maine, I had a smile. You told me I could never get a full-time job in radio. I don't care if I'm not making any money. I did it. F you guys. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, you'll probably be stuck in Maine or small markets, and you're never going to make much money. And I'm like, oh, yeah, watch me. And, like, you know, it, I, the experience did help, but I think me as a person from my upbringing showed me that uh, the no's, it feels good when you when you turn them into yeses. And I, I think I just, like on the football field, man, I wasn't the best, but I was the only one from my high school class to play college football. I was like, and no, you, you're the one probably saying no is more often. Yeah. Which is a good feeling, too. It is for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's a nice the, little transition. <laughs> it is for sure. You know, yeah. but, but I'm the same, man. I'm, I'm still a yes guy, I think. And it's be it if somebody wants me to do something and I have no time, I'm going to find a way. Or if, like, a young kid comes up to me, like, I try not to give them a no. I try to find a way of turning that no into a possible yes. Like, guide them on how to make it a yes versus the, the hard no. Totally, yeah. I got a lot of hard no's, and they sucked, but they helped me. But I, I try to not give too many hard no's. I'm more like, you know. You're not ready for this yet, but, you know, if you're working this and this and then send me another mixed demo and I can work with you, I, I try to do that because I do feel like my first break when I got those six no's in New Bedford Mass was like, all right, no, you're not good enough. But if you send me another tip, I'll listen type totally, of thing. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel like when I manage staff and stuff, I try to do the same with that as well. Yeah, so I got a, I got a specific question because it's something we probably all, you know, have a challenge with, but you have it in a, in a different degree as well. As you say, you know, you go home and you're or at two in the morning, you're thinking about those shows yeah. or good bits. And like, I know the way your mind works. You're always thinking about work. Yeah. But you also have like when you said you run into people quite a bit who they recognize you, your mm-hmm. voice and all that. Do you have a tough time like turning it off and turning it on? Meaning turn it off, you know, like because there's also a label of you like you're an entertainer yeah. in, a, in a way. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who they see Frankie and it's like. They want you to be on, on. like on all the time. And that's, yeah. it's gotta be either. I don't know if it's like an exhausting because you're already up in your head, mm-hmm. just working constantly. What's the next thing? What am I doing? But then when you're running into people, it's, it's always the same thing too. I'm always on. Sure. You know, you it's know? funny. I, I feel like on the radio who I am, it's who I am in person too. So I, it's not like a fake persona. I think there are some people in the entertainment industry that have like two different people completely. One thing with myself is I have been called the douchebag, <laughs> but it's not purposely, but like if we're out. Who and, hasn't? Right, yeah. right. Who hasn't? But like sure. say I'm out and, and, and you're, you know, you're hanging out in a group and you're, I'm not talking, I'm quiet. Like, well, cause I'm exhausted from talking Two, I know if it's a loud place and I got to be on the radio the next morning, like my voice is going to struggle. So I just sit there and I'll kind of be quiet and not that I'm being a douchebag. I don't want to talk to anybody. It's like I, in my head, I still am like, I can't just talk for three hours at a conversation at a loud bar or restaurant or club. Cause it's going to affect my, my work. But people look at me or I, I remember I was dating a girl a handful of years back, probably like 10 years ago. And like, what is such a douche? Every time he's out, like he doesn't want to talk to anybody. He thinks he's better than everybody. <laughs> I'm like, not at all. It's like, we're at flux at the time, whatever it is. And it's like so loud in there. And it's just like, what do we want me to scream on this and drive to LA tomorrow morning with no voice and sound like I'm hungover and drunk. You know what I mean? So 
that's the one thing I struggle with. I don't struggle with, but I feel like is part of the persona is why isn't Frankie always talking? He's always talking on the radio. It's always so energetic and he sounds like this. And I meet him and <laughs> say, like two things. One, I woke up at 3.30 today. Now it's 10 o'clock at night. I'm, I'm tired. And two, I also know that I get up 3.30 tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. If I'm talking late and I'm tired, I'm going to have no voice. And that's going to affect my, my day-to-day you know, job. So I, I don't have trouble turning it on and off. I think people have trouble at times accepting the fact that when you do hang with me, I'm not yeah. going to always be the life of the party, and I'm not always going to want to be the one that's talking. But I'm saying, man, I like to listen. You know what I'm saying? It's like I feel like I talk for a living, but I have to get better at listening to what people say because that helps me better when it comes to totally, entertaining. Yeah. So when we go out at night, I'm observing a lot because it turns into radio content. So if I'm always talking, I'm not learning. But if I'm listening to you talk to somebody that's else, or these girls bickering about a guy over here, and I'm watching and listening, <laughs> that's great content for tomorrow morning. You know what notes. I mean? <laughs> yeah, I am taking mental notes 100%. So I'm almost like still working. In a way, you know, because I know that tomorrow I got to talk about my life. And I was out, you know, with Pete. We're hanging out at wherever we're at. And, but that's not a fun story. But while I'm out, I saw these two it's girls. A fun story. Oh, yeah. I mean, my <laughs> fun story. Roof. I just dropped Pete's guy. name. That's right. why I keep saying no. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you got no good content. There's no Nothing content coming out of you. But it, we're hanging out. And there's two girls over there complaining about that dude over there. And then whatever happens, like that like, turns into a fun story on the radio that people are like, let me, let me hear a little bit more. So I try to do that. You know, it's even like, you know, I started doing comedy and, and it's been cool. It's the same thing. I have to think about stuff that happens in my life. And how is that? Everybody's got stuff that happens in your life. But how do you embellish that in a way to make it intriguing, funny, mm-hmm. creative? And if I'm out at dinner with everybody and I'm the only one talking and I'm, I'm not observing any, absorbing anything, then it's almost a, I wouldn't say a waste. But in the way it is, like I just spent my whole night mm-hmm. with all this opportunity around me too. It's like going to the gym and, and I just, just standing there and, and not working out. You're not going to get better at it. But you could be, I don't know. Sergio does. Yeah, just in there. <laughs> but, or you can get get a part of it. So I, I, I don't know. But, I, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's tough to balance it at times. But for me, not so much as the people that will meet me sometimes. Right? Yeah. Before before the show, you ran down your list of all your all your the hats you wear. You know, yeah. all the shows you have, everything you got going on, and it's a deep list. What are some things that you're doing in your everyday life to try to kind of achieve a balance to where you can you know, handle all your responsibilities and not spread yourself so thin. You know, it's a, it's funny. I caught shingles uh, over the holidays, which mm-hmm. was, I'm still getting through it. And Ugh. they said it's caused by uh, stress mm-hmm. and being run down because it's in your system. And I put on my Facebook page, you know, the first day of the year, I never really put out resolutions, but mine is the, the word balance. Mm-hmm. And I said, anybody that's out there, check me on my balance to make sure that I'm getting better at balancing things. And it's not that, what I do is strenuous. I love emceeing events. It's like it's my number one. Like, I almost like being out there on the streets doing that more than anything else. But there's also comes a point where it's like, if you, you can't do four in a night, like I, I've tried sometimes, you do certain things. Um, so what I try to do now is gym is irregular for me. It's like, I know that at mm-hmm. two o'clock or two 30, uh, my buddy Jimmy and I force ourselves into a, a workout and be at 30 minutes or an hour. But I know that's my time, right? That's bro time. That's like, no matter what goes on in my morning or my night, I get that hour slated open. So I make sure to keep that on my schedule. And also when I get home, you know, I try to find a night or two a week with my girlfriend to just watch TV, be it like Netflix mm-hmm. or be it, you know, she loves a bachelor, like stupid stuff, but it's like <laughs> any of that stuff, he you know, and that's research, that's research, <laughs> research. research. <laughs> that's what I say, but you know, I try to force that on me. And one of my buddies, um, Jason, I went to actually college with him, played ball with him, lives in LA now. He said, I have to start in my calendar, literally putting it in there, like saying this Thursday, you're going to yeah. do nothing. It's Frankie day. I haven't gotten there yet, but that was one thing he told me that helped him with balance. And I think I got to do that. Fine. Be one day a month that it's just like, all bets are off. I don't care what anybody needs me to do. Like, this is my day. Reset. You know, Wednesday, my, yeah, reset. reset. 
and I got to get better at that. And I think I'm going to try it. It's not going to happen this month because this whole month is just, you know, back at the groom. But in mm-hmm. February, maybe putting one day a month in my calendar, just saying, no matter what happens today, it's I'm busy. I'll just tell everybody I'm busy. Like, I'm, I have plans already. Even that I don't, but it's going to be my day, be it a Friday, a Wednesday, a Saturday, whatever it is. Uh, I think I have to personally get better at that. Short term is my hour a day. I give myself one hour for the gym, phones away. Unless I'm posting a selfie at the gym, you know, so everybody knows I'm there. Got it. That's, that's, that's what Pete does at the gym. Yeah. Like, if, if, if you don't post yeah. about it, then it happens. Exactly. Do now, don't do this. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm similar in a way where like uh, I'm trying to achieve that balance as well. Yeah. But I always worry about the opportunities I'm saying no to now because I'm similar to you where yeah. I don't want to say no to anybody. Sure. I want to do as much as I can. If there's an opportunity there, I don't want to let it go to mm-hmm. waste. But do you worry about that? But saying no to people i do you know it's and it's weird because people are like you don't have to worry about that at this point like you can say no mm-hmm. but i still i wouldn't say it's a fear but it's uh i don't like seeing somebody else do something that i should have been doing <laughs> if that makes sense like <laughs> if i can't MC an event and another radio personality does it another media personality or somebody else does it, it you know perfect examples like pete had um the industry boxing and mm-hmm. i couldn't do it that day and like i was on family vacation it, it killed me to like see somebody else hosting that event but it's not like Pete's like, dude, you went on family vacation. I'm never going to have you do another event with us. You know what I'm saying? But in my mindset, it killed me to see somebody else, you know, even though it's the homie, like, doing that. It's like, that could have been me. That should have been me, you know. So I get those you feelings. You me with another girl? I had to take <laughs> someone else out. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, it so, so I don't have the fear of losing it as much as I, I still have that. And I hate the word FOMO, but I get the fear yeah. of missing out on myself. It's like, that could have been me. I could have been doing that. But that's where the balance comes. You got to take that breath every now and then. And I am realizing that if you say yes to too many, you start working at 80%. And if mm-hmm. I'm giving you 80% of me, that's not, I'm a I'm 120% kind of guy. So that's where my balance comes to saying no is to make sure that my yeses are that much better. You know, you know, what's funny. And I'm pretty sure it was Gina who's in the same space yeah. as you. And she's definitely on the top is we talked something about this as well about balance. Cause I'm sure we were talking about her crazy schedule and she put it in a, in a good term, like, I kept saying yes, then that those like Frankie days or that hour me time, you know, then I'm not getting um, my vehicles not running mm-hmm. like you said on a hundred percent. So in a way like, yeah, there's an opportunity cost. I'm, I'm missing on that. Yeah. But what if I look at the other way? Like I'm out doing that. Now I missed out on resetting, yeah. recharging my battery. And now I'm not a hundred percent. So like, totally. what are we, what are we doing here? You know? And, and I didn't realize it. Well, I have realized it, but I did this vacation. I've never done it in my life. I did two weeks off. Uh, because of the way that New Year's was set up this year, you know, that Thursday, Friday, I normally <laughs> come back nice. after those and I didn't. And my boss said, you know, dude, you have the vacation days, use those days, you know. And I'd never taken days off in San Diego. Those, I think, 13 years, Thursday and Friday after New Year's were the only two days I've ever had off in San Diego, like with not traveling, nothing to do. And it was the best feeling to wake up in the morning in my bed in San Diego mm-hmm. and have no agenda. I put nothing right. on the calendar. I was with shingles. I couldn't even go to the gym. I literally woke up at eight in the morning like, what am I going to do? It was awesome. I walked down to Little Italy. I sat there and I drank a coffee for an hour by myself. It was like the dopest feeling. You sit there and stare at the sky. next to me, there was these two older Italian guys playing cards and talking. And then over here is a couple fighting. And then you see the car. It's like you just slow fighting. life down. It's You're like content. This is oh. life. Yeah, right. But, you know, those are the first two days that I've done that. And I need more of those days. Yeah. Because I'll tell you what, like I said, when I got back on the air on Monday, I was like, I was ready. I was ready to crack that mic. And I think those two extra days. As minimal as that seems, were like those days of like San Diego's a dope city. Like I got to enjoy San Diego. I got to walk by the harbor. And I got to have lunch, you know, PB and, and coffee and little Italy stuff I hadn't been doing to almost appreciate what I have. And it was that reset that was like, totally. Let's get back into it. Everybody has like you know those days where you, everything's going wrong, whether it's personal, mm-hmm. you know, at work, and we can all power through them. But you're in a 
you know, um, in your line of work, you can't show that. You can't bring it to work. Well, you know, yes and no. So it's funny you say that because I think when I started in radio, mm-hmm. I said I couldn't say it. I couldn't show people that. But then that's not the real me. Right. Because everybody's got issues. It was funny. Um, our buddy Derek, you know, from RMD as well, he had hit me on text. Like, bro, why are you telling everybody you have shingles? He's like, that's like, that's a form of herpes. I'm like, bro, it's not sexually transmitted herpes. He's like, why are you telling everybody? I literally text him back and go, bro, my life is out there. Everything that happens, right. because you know what? Do you know how many listeners hit me on DMs? Like, bro, when I had it, here's what I did. And if you take cucumbers, it's like, it was so funny how many people that I would never have known had it, but they're so excited to tell me what their experiences were. And, you know, when I, I've gone through breakups and I've been on the air before, when my dad passed away, I was literally working from studios in Boston for like a couple months leading up to it, doing my show with Gina on 933 from the Boston studios. And I wasn't lying to anybody. I'm like, yo, I am five minutes from the hospital right now. If I break down in tears and I leave, something's bad with my dad. And literally got a text from my brother who was at the hospital and was like, some issues right now, dad might not make it. And I like literally read that on the air and I just broke down like, gee, you know, I'm, I, I, shit. I'm out. And I left. And he ended up battling through that and, and came back around. But it was like moments like that that listeners to this day have come up to me and said, yeah, I lost my dad or my mom or my brother or my sister last week. And I still remember when you had the balls to stay on the radio through it all and let us know what you were going through. And if you could get through it on the radio with, you know, upwards of hundreds of thousands listening, I can get through this too. And it, those moments mattered to me. I still remember I was doing an SDCCU shredded event and a car comes by, Frankie. The guy just says, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. What, for being there? He's like, no. You, what you did when your dad passed away, saved me when mine did. No way. And it's like those moments of being real. Mm-hmm. If I was lying and I had a smile on my face and I didn't tell anybody that that was going on, one, I know it wasn't that great on the air. Like, I wasn't funny. Like, I couldn't be funny, but I could be real. Yeah. I could tell you, man, my voice is cracking right now. I haven't slept. Dad's down there. You know, there's those moments when I go through a breakup. It's like, I didn't want to be like, hey, things are great and blah, blah, blah. And lie like I'm still going out. I'll be honest. Like, yo. I, I, I suck right now, but you know, you might hear some better stories cause I'm gonna have to go back to dating. Like, but everybody goes through a breakup. Everybody yeah. goes through yeah, a family yeah. passing. Relatable. Everybody goes through. Yeah. Relate, yeah. If I get an argument with my neighbors or something happens in my apartment or whatever, like, let me tell you about it. Cause guess what? Somebody listening had that exact same thing happen. Like this morning we're talking about something and somebody called in was like, dude, I had this and that. And like, and that's just like what happened to me. And Tarzan goes, it is so crazy. How many phone calls we get of people that say, that's happened to me or hold on. Let me give some advice to that, that caller because mm-hmm. I was, I've been there and it's like, that's what makes me so excited. It's like, look, we all live our damn lives mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like the, the conductor of everybody's life out there. Like here's what's happening in my <laughs> life. Who else is out there that's going through the same shit I'm going through. So you're right. It's tough to always be on and when stuff goes wrong. Yeah, to I was wondering just how you it. approach that because obviously, especially being the morning show, yeah. you're, you're uh, the, the person that everyone's listening to on their way to work. Right. Yes. You know, obviously you want to kind of get them hyped up for the mm-hmm. day, get them started. And you know, you don't want to be a drag on air. At all. You don't want to be miserable. So I, I, be a well, bummer. You know, one thing I don't do is bitch about my, my schedule on the air too much. I don't like, mm-hmm. Hey, I got up at three 30 to come to work mm-hmm. today when I'm tired. So I won't say like, I'm, I must say I'm tired, man. I was, my voice is struggling. Lily, my producer can give me another cup of coffee. I'm gonna need this to get through, but I never be like, Man, it sucks that I got to get up so early, huh, to be on the radio because I'm so fortunate. So I know people going to work have jobs most of them hate. Yeah. So I'm never going to be negative on any things that are stressful in regards to my job, right? Or, man, we got to get good ratings and I'm so stressed out today because ratings are coming out. Like, I won't say stuff like that because the people are like, who cares? You got the best job in the world. I will be real, though, about like ups and downs in my life. And I wasn't at first. That was the toughest thing for me to do was to be real because I remember when I started doing mornings with Gina 933, she'd even say to me, like, say something real. Like, do something like that happen. So like, I'm on your social media and this happened. Why didn't you talk about it? Oh, no, no, no. You know, and I finally realized, and I think it was in my dad's passing when I was just like, I had the choice. You know, you can 
take a brief minute and breathe whatever and take time off i'm like i'm gonna fight through this mm-hmm. and that's when i feel like i connected the most with this city and i feel like that's what sure. elevated me to the next level with the audience was frankie was real and i was in a shitty position mentally life-wise even when <coughs> i lost my gig in boston and came back like it was so dope to be back in san diego but mentally i was like what just happened i just moved back and forth across the country twice in 11 months like mm-hmm. this wasn't supposed to happen i was supposed to be back but nobody, I wasn't going bitch about that in there because I do, you're in San Diego doing, a, you know, a radio, mm-hmm. like, you know, so I, I, I wouldn't, there's certain things that I don't, I'll never bitch on the air, I guess, about certain life situations, but I'll always be honest about things that happened in my life. You, you were saying right now, you, you know, you try to be as real as possible on air in your whole career. Can you, does one instance come to mind where you said something that you absolutely regret on air? <laughs> Ever regretted on air? Damn, good question. That is a great question. Um, I mean, because your shows be, are live. Hey, you're just going, yeah. you know. Be real. Be real. Be real. Yeah. Be real. <laughs> I don't think, you know, it's fun. I don't think I've ever regretted things I've said. Um, I think things have been misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. I still remember. Somebody actually Yelp reviewed me. <laughs> your show. Oh, you, you have a me Yelp me person. Not even the show, just me. You have a Yelp page? Or- <laughs> they, they found, I Googled my name and I'm like, what? It, it was um, a conversation was with, with, when I was with Gina and we're talking about uh, a topic of if the person you were dating or married to gained a lot of weight, <laughs> would you break up with them or dump them? And I said, honestly, it depends on what that weight was caused by. If you gained weight because you were lazy and you, I'm out here busting my ass doing my job and you're sitting on the couch eating bonbons and watching soap operas all day long and not bettering yourself, hell yeah, I'd dump your fat ass. And, and it, like the way I said it <laughs> might not have been like the most, but that was the real, right? Yup, and this girl went in on me. Has he seen himself and his five o'clock shot on? And he ain't not good looking. And he talks about going to the gym. If I went to the gym as much as he, and, and, and I was like, damn. But it's like she misinterpreted it. So, am I mad I said it? No. Do I feel bad the way that she might have taken it the wrong way? Uh, at times, at first, I was like, oh, triggered. my bad. Triggered. <laughs> but it triggered, yeah, for sure. But it's like there's certain times I'll say things and it's off the cuff um, and it might upset some people, but it's never like intentional. So, I've never said something like, hey, I'm going to purposely talk shit on somebody and hope they hear this, right? Mm. But I will say honest things. And honestly, it was true. Like, if, if I'm dating somebody, and the, my, the moral of that was, if you have no motivation, if I'm busting my ass doing all that I do, and the person I'm dating sits in her ass and does absolutely nothing, I don't want to be with you. I don't care if you're skinny, fat, you know, tall, short, whatever. Like, that is mental. So, but the way I came out saying, there, you got fat because you sat on the couch all day long. I'm going to dump your ass. That <laughs> wasn't the most clean way of saying it. So, I can't say I've ever said something that I've, regretted but i can say i've said some stuff that have pissed some people off <laughs> so so we uh, we always ask this question towards the end of the episode i think this is a good one for you because we covered a lot of ground yeah. is if you could give the advice to to early day frankie v mm-hmm. getting started or somebody out there and it might they might not be getting the radio but they're they're in the weeds um of jump starting their career or maybe they've, they've started or started a business what would that advice be you know it's three part i think first and foremost is you can do it you can get it done. Whatever that dream is, you can get it done. I was told no a million times on radio like we talked about. And I'm sitting here talking about my radio career 20 years later. Mm-hmm. How dope is that? So you can get it done. Uh, number two is, we discussed it as well, is the financial side of it. Don't worry about the intangible stuff. You know what I'm saying? Don't worry about things you can't control. Control what you can control. Control about how hard you're going to work, how much you want it. Control that. And number three, find a mentor. Mm. Find someone that's been there and done that. You know, it's like I, I was fortunate enough that Jim, who's now at the Chargers, was from my college. And. I was able to talk to him in a real way. I'm like, dude, you're, you know, at the time, 30 years old, director of sales for the biggest sports station, arguably in America, or one of the top. And he would kind of guide me on what he did from college to get there. And then when it came to radio, 
was that guy Chuck that taught me some stuff. And mm-hmm. there was a few others along the way that were successful in radio. And I wasn't scared to ask them, like, how do I get to where you are? What do I need to do? What did you do? So find that mentor. Find someone that can. One of my best friends in the business and in life, this guy, Gary Brooks, Joey Brooks, is now uh, Senior Vice President of Programming in Connecticut running the, the whole state. And I talked to him every day. And I remember when I was trying to find that mentor. He's only a couple years older than me. So I was 21. He was probably 23. I emailed him like, bro, I, I hear you every now and then in Worcester, Mass., which is a small market. I want to be you someday. Like, you're on the radio. How do I do this? And he's like, come, come meet me at Applebee's. Let's get a couple of drinks and talk. And from that point on, like, I, I would bug him every day. And now we're, you know, 20 plus years later, boys. But it's like those mentors. And I think a lot of kids are scared because of egos scared of i should it's all about me like find somebody that you can turn to and the uh, you know i don't want to keep on talking about me and things i did but there was this one guy in sales it's got bob he's now uh market manager for uh the cluster in worcester mass but he i just asked him advice my bro i suck at sales i'm a 20 year old punk i don't know what i'm doing can you help me and when i had left he pulled me aside he said frankie if there's one piece of advice that i'm going to give you to pass along to other kids is ask those questions and ask for help. And I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, most 21 year olds that come out of college think they know everything. Mm-hmm. They think they know it all. He goes, you know how many 21 year olds I've seen come in here and fail? They never asked me for one piece of advice. He goes, 95%. He goes, you're probably one of the first ones that literally came up to me and said, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me before I get fired. And he's like, and that's why I began to help you and guide you. He would give me leads. He would sit down with me. He'd take me out to lunch. He'd work on stuff with me. And I thanked him for helping me become successful. He said, no, thank you for not being a 20-year-old punk that came out of college and mm-hmm. said you knew everything, you honest to yourself that you didn't. So I say uh, that, that that's the third part is finding that mentor, but dropping your ego. Because you don't know shit at 21 years old, man. I thought mm-hmm. I knew everything. I thought I was so good at radio, man. People were at the, the local bar and, you know, Utica, New York were like, dude, I heard your show, you're great. And I sucked, <laughs> you know? Hyping <laughs> you up. But he hyped me up, so I got all like, wow, everybody's going to want me on the radio 100 tapes later, nobody wanted me. And it humbled me, but I'm like, all right, let, let's take a different approach. But I think a lot of kids these days can't do that. They couldn't 20 years ago either. Mm-hmm. But humble yourself, find that mentor. So three things to get that one. And I think anybody can just make it happen, but it's on you to do it. Nobody's going to hand shit to you anymore. Those are great. Those are all great. Awesome. This is a great start to 2020 first podcast. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah, man. Thank you for coming on. You guys got anything else? I think this was... Uh... Shoot, we, we, we crammed in a lot. <laughs> I keep going, too. This is fun. I mean, this, this talking about like being real, like it's fun to talk because I know you guys are all successful in what you do. So it's fun to hear your stories and what you guys do. I mean, this is. Yeah, we, we, we started kicking around an idea as doing follow-ups to, and going to where um, the guests, like where they work or their business or all yeah. that. Um, so I think that's something we could definitely tee up this year and come up to, to iHeart, to your yeah, studio. I love you guys coming by. Um, we're, we're, we're doing, I told you, when we'll go up to L.A., but we're, we're going to uh, – we want to try and get in front of, uh, we had Chase Fisher, who's Blender's Eye, where we want to go to his, yeah. he just had a big acquisition. We want to go to his uh, retail store in PB. Um, so it's definitely one that we could come up and have a lot of fun up at the studio. But sure, this was, I love for it. it. This was great, man. Appreciate you guys, and congrats on everything you guys do, man. I follow all of you guys as well, and proud to see you guys are homies. So congrats on In the Weeds and in the yeah. days. Thanks so much, man. We'll be seeing you around. Appreciate it. Good stuff, man. That's dope. Hey, Steve, we're going to